0: Shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, Be'ezra Sashem, tonight we're continuing with our series of Shirim on the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And for tonight's Shir, the fifth year in the series, we're going to be continuing with the attempt, the humble attempt, to analyze particular teachings in Lakuta Maharan. Last week, we learned through or touched upon the fifth teaching, the fifth Torah of B'chatzot the V'chal Shofar, and we pointed out how really there are certain fundamental modes of experience that are contained within the teachings of Rabbi Nachman. What I learned from last week's Shir was the immense amount of simsumim it takes in order to try and share even a tumpsits, even a summary of sorts, of what a Torah of Rabbi Nachman is coming to say. Now some are obviously shorter than others, some are longer than others. But nevertheless, I still feel that it's significant to focus on one particular Torah each week. Instead of delving too deeply into one Torah and spending ten weeks on one Torah, to be able to give a taste, a tam, a tam ke'ikr, of the light of Rabbi Nachman's Torah, based on the klalim that we've discussed in the Shiram and the Leshem and Rav Kuk and Rav Itchemayr, that somebody who's ochez in a prat, someone who's able to touch a prat, is also touching the klal kulo. So that even though we're only touching the Torah that we're beginning to learn, we're only experiencing the fact that such a Torah exists, not going any deeper than that. Nevertheless, the Tam itself contains a taste of the Ikkar within it. And so too with the entire Sefer of Elkutim Aran. even though we're learning scattered Torahs that emerged out of my own Havana, nevertheless, this light in each Torah is found throughout the entirety of the Sefer of Elkutim Aran. Now tonight's Torah, Ba'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be learning the 19th teaching, in the first chilek of Likuta Mehran, referred to, based on the header, as Tefillah Lechabakuk Hanavi Al Shadyonus, the prayer of Chabakuk Hanavi that he declared over Shadyonus, over mistakes. And when a person looks at Rashi on that Pasuk, in the third parak of Chabakuk, they see that the first expression that Rashi has on this Pasuk, this tefillah of Chabakuk, for mistakes, the meforshim have a some say it's praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu for loving him in spite of his mistakes. Some say that it's Chabakuk davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in order to be saved from mistakes. But when a person looks at the parish of Rashi, the first parish of Rashi says, Kitargumo, it's based on the interpretation of the Targum, which says that this was Chabakuk's tefillah to be saved from his chataim, from his sins. Not only to be saved from his chataim, but to transform his chataim, his transgressions, those failures in his life, those shagionas in his life, into powerful experiences. By way of the concept that Chazal discuss with regards to Cheshuvah me'ahava repentance, a return that emerges out of the impulses of love and the desire for connectivity to HaKadosh Baruch that when a person engages in a teshuvah me'ahava, zidonos naasa lo their inequities, their transgressions, it's not enough that they are undone so that they're not counted, but rather the transgressions themselves are transformed, are flipped into zuchuyot, into merits. That's the parish of the Targum in Chabakuk. This tefillah of Chabakuk, ala shagyonos, on these mistakes, is the tefillah of Tzachadosh that let my mistakes turn into shiyot. Let me show that not only are my mistakes not mistakes, but rather that my mistakes themselves, my failures, my transgressions, my limitations, are in and of themselves part and parcel of the tikkun, part and parcel of the shiyot. And following the Yurchas Ches'Kolom of Rav ben Rav Nachman, like we've discussed, the pasuk that Rabbi Nachman bases his teaching on is really the kernel of the essence of what Rabbi Nachman is trying to say. So ultimately what we're going to see is that contained within this first pasuk of Tefillah Lechabakuk ala Shigyonos, the idea, like Rashi says, Kitargumo, that the way to understand this pasuk is according to the Targum of it, which teaches us about the possibility of flipping mistakes even into Zuchuyot. Now this is a teaching that we have very limited amount of biographical information o- over or any context about where this teaching emerged from. All we know is that it was given over on the Chag of Shavuos in the year 1803. Now Chag of Shavuos for Rabbi Nachman is a fundamental time. Along with Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos Hanukkah, there were the three times, and there may be more, I believe Rosh Chodesh Nisan as well, that the Hasidim would flock and come to sit by Rabbi Nachman, to hear Torah from Rabbi Nachman. So whatever the context that we're missing in the giving over of this Torah on Shavuos, we understand that it was significant. Now, it's possible to say, and I believe that Rabbi Nassim implies this as well, that on the second day of Shavuos, the Haftorah that we learn, the Haftorah that we learn, is from Chagab- Chabakuk Kanavi, the end of Parak Beis and the beginning of Parak Gimel, so that Rabbi Nachman was on a certain level interpreting the Psukim that they were learning on Shavuos, through the Haftarah. And by contemplating this Pasuk of Tfilo Lechabakuk, Kala HaShed this prayer to be saved from mistakes, from transgressions, from things that don't go the way we want them to go, the Rabbi Nachman began to reveal this Torah. Now, this Torah, if I'm honest, is a Torah that has been very significant to me long before Abinachman was even significant to me. The sugya of targum, the sugya of translation, what translation means, what translation represents, what the possibility of translation represents, all the more so the light of translation. But suffice it to say that this teaching has been sitting with me for a very long time. I found recently, after going through a box of old notes, after a move, I found about 50 pages of handwritten notes on the Hakdama of this Torah. It was from a different time and a different mahalach in my learning. But nevertheless, this Torah has always been deep within my neshama and translation as well. So tonight, what I hope to be able to do is share a little bit about where this Torah is coming from, to share a little bit about what this teaching 19th teaching of Lukut is coming to say. Ultimately, what we're going to see from this Torah is that what Rabbi Nachman is trying to show us is that the typical way of looking at the world is that it can be divided into two categories. The category of Iker, of something that is essential, and the category of Tafel, something that is inessential, something that is secondary something that is derivative. Now, according to the way that we've been taught to think, according to the normal way of looking at the world, which Rabbi Nachman comes to fight against, like we said that Rabbi Nachman is paving a shvil hatsad, a path to the side away from the thoroughfare. And the typical way that we look at things, unconsciously or consciously, is that that which is essential that which is real, is valuable, is holy, brings us into connection with HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu, is a place where we can find the light of Hashem in the world, is the place where we can find meaning in our lives. And that which is inessential, that which is tough, that which is secondary, is almost like worthless. This excess, this surplus that exists in the world that yes, we need to deal with because it exists, but nevertheless, it's not where we're going to find our meaning. And this distinction between the ikkar and the Tafel, this distinction that is cut between that which is essential and that which is inessential, creates a fissure within the individual. It creates a dualism in their lives. Because if a person begins to look at the world as if there are certain things where Hashem can be found, There are certain things where the light of experience can come down and be funneled through our minds to create meaningful experience. And then there are things that are meaningless, there are things that are distractions or interruptions to the process. And ultimately, the best thing that we can do about those distractions or those inessential aspects of the world are to push them away or to defer them, or to repress them as if they didn't exist that they should be batal ka'afra da'ara, that they should be nullified as if they never existed. Where Abin Ahmad is coming to teach us in this Torah, in my humble opinion, is that if you want to understand the power of what something being essential is, the fact that there is an essence in the world, the fact that there is a mahus hadavar, the fact that there is significance and meaning in the world that makes things meaningful in and of themselves to the point that they can awaken within the individual a deep spiritual experience that is based on nothing other than the essential nature of the experience. Or in other words, the possibility to truly allow ourselves to believe that there is something real in this world that carries with it kedusha and emuna, and the promise that things will be good eventually. The only way to understand that is when we determine our relationship with that which is inessential. The only way to truly judge our belief that things in this world are meaningful is through how we interact with that which appears to be meaningless. Because if we're truly to believe, and this is hard for me to try and convey, and I hope to Hashem, that the words are coming out properly. If we truly believe that there is an essential essence to existence, that there is an innermost point, the Nakuda Hapnimis to everything, that carries with it not the stamp of human intelligence, but the stamp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the stamp of Emunah, the stamp of that Nakuda, that point of experience that allows us to take a deep breath, and remember that even though everything doesn't look okay, everything will be okay because there is a power greater than myself. There is a HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There is essence to the world. If we truly believe that there is essential meaning to things and not simply human logic that has come upon certain ideas and agreed upon their meaning, if we truly believe that there is an essential Unbreakable essence to existence, it needs to spill over into even those things which appear meaningless. That essence, that essential nature, that belief that a Kaddish Baruch is present in the world, that something is truly, truly, truly meaningful to the point that not only can it comfort me, but that it could give me the strength to carry on, that belief needs to spill over into even those things which appear to be inessential. Because when a person truly believes in the essential nature of reality, they come to a place of recognizing that even those things which appear to be inessential, even those things which appear to be extra, and superfluous, and difficult, and meaningless, and mundane, and banal, and all of the different adjectives that we can use to describe the fallen nature of things, all of those things also retain a trace of essence. All of those things also retain a trace of that infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which makes them essentially meaningful, even when they appear externally to be meaningless. So Rabbi Nachman is teaching us in this Torah, according to my humble opinion, how to begin to look at the world, not through the binary of essential and inessential, or meaningful and meaningless, or light and darkness. But rather, he's teaching us an essential teaching. And that is if you want to believe that there is an essential power of goodness of HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu in the world, you need to begin to look at everything in the world, even those interruptions, even those experiences which seem to be meaningless and inessential. You need to also recognize that deeply embedded within those experiences, is also the essence. That the essence is not only found in the essential, but it's found in the inessential as well. And light is not only found in light, but it's found in darkness as well. And as we're going to see, to bring it back to the Pesach that Rabbi Nachman is basing this teaching on, Tefillah Lechabakuk Ala that even in the mistakes, even in those moments in our lives where unconsciousness overtakes conscious awareness and we are stuck within the fallen nature of this world when we're forced to realize that we're not in control of ourselves and we're not in control of what happens, to truly understand the power of doing something deliberate with an essential kavana, is to also ultimately come to realize that even my mistakes, even my shagyonos even my Shgagos and my shogeg reveal something essential. Because there is nothing that exists outside of the circumference of the deep essential nature of this world, which is the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so Rabbi Nachman, B'Kedarcha B'Kadosh, is not satisfied in just teaching us how to believe in the essential nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu how to believe that what I am doing at this moment contains an essential spark so that there's nothing else that I need to be doing because everything I need is contained within this experience. It's not enough to believe in the Mahus. It's not enough to believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present in the world and that things are meaningful. For Abinachman, we need to experience meaninglessness. We need to experience Shagyonos. We need to experience the Shigaon, the madness of making mistakes. The madness of feeling that things are extra and surplus. And to come through that experience and realize that, wow, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence and meaning is found even there. So that when we experience the Shagyonos and the mistakes and all of those things which appear to be inessential, and we eventually move back to the belief in the essential essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, now we allow HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be even stronger and even lighter. Because beforehand Hashem was found in the essential and He wasn't found in the inessential. He was found in the, in the deliberate, but He wasn't found in the accidental. He was found in light, but He wasn't found in darkness. But when we come to recognize that even in the inessential, even in the mistake, even in the accident, even in those things which appear to be meaningless and superfluous and extra and surplus and devoid of any essential meaning, when we come to see that the essence is found even in those experiences as well, we now double and reveal the deeper quality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light, which shows that that binary that we began with isn't true. That there's no difference between Iker and Tafel. There's no difference between essence and inessential. Because when a person has Das, when a person is truly aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in the world, they can find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in anything, in the deliberate act or in the accidental act, in light or in darkness, in the essential or the inessential. And now with that hakdamma, we're going to begin to enter a little bit into this teaching, the 19th teaching, of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov and Likuta Ma'aran, tefillah Al ala shagyonos. Tefillah hanavi ala shagyonos, rather. The second note, the second phrase that Rabbi Nachman crowns this Torah with is a teaching from the first parak in Safar Ditsniyusa. If I allow myself to go on a, a tangent about Safar Ditsniyusa, we literally won't teach anything. So we'll simply state that the verse in Safeditz what the Vilna Gaon referred to as the Mishnayos of the Zohar the essence of the Zohar states as follows Ad lohave mitkila lohave meskikhen apen baapen Before there was a scale or a balance in the world before things were measured properly there was no face-to-face relationship. There was no confrontation of the panim to the panim. Everything was achor ba-achor, back-to-back. Now we're going to see at the end of this teaching what Rabbi Nachman means by this. But what's important to state at the outset before we enter into the guf hamamr, into the actual nature of the writing of the Torah, is that the Tzafreditzniyusa is not saying that when there was a mitkala, when the scale is present, there is a panim la panim relationship. The Tzafreditzniyusa is phrasing it by way of the negative. The Tzafreditzniyusa says that until there was a scale, until there was a mitkala, until there was a measurement, there was no face to face relationship. And what Rabbi Nachman's entire teaching, in my humble opinion, is coming to answer is why couldn't the Tzafr Niyusa just say, Kishahave mitkala, apen When there was a scale or a measure in the world, there was a face-to-face relationship. What necessity is there to state it by way of the negative? The Tzafr Ditzni is a Sefer That is, shakil b'mitkila. It measures each and every word. The vilnagon and other tzaddikim, the kamar and azor achai, they spend pages and pages expressing the value of each word. So why does the Ditsni need to add a few words to show us that by way of the negative, we can understand that as long as there's no scale in the world, there's no face-to-face relationship. I can just say when there was a scale, there was a face-to-face relationship. But like we just introduced, Rabbi Nachman is going to show us that if you truly want to understand what a panim le panim relationship is, if you truly want to understand the panemius of something, the essence of something, you need to start with the inessential. You need to start with the very basic fact that lo have a mishlichan apen ba'apen. That just as there will be a stage of panim le panim where things are essential, there is also a preliminary stage where things were non-essential, where things were not measured and there was no face-to-face relationship. And it's specifically that lack of the face-to-face relationship, that lack of essentiality in the world, that lack of the feeling that there's an essence to things that allows us to finally come to the realization that there is an essence. Because the totality of being aware and believing in the essence of A Baruch Hu, is recognizing even that which appeared to be inessential, even that which appeared to be fallen, is also part and parcel of the process of understanding the essence of experience, which is based on the essence of HaKadosh Baruch is, which is found in experience. Rabbi Nachman begins the Torah by stating very strongly that it's not enough to hear Torah from somebody who heard Torah from the tzaddik. And it's not enough to read the safer of the Torah of the tzaddik. Because yared bechol pam mi darga ladarga. Because every time you descend away from the actual tzaddik expressing the Torah, you begin to lose sight of the way that that Torah was given over. All the more so when you read it in a book. That there is a distinction, there's a fundamental difference between hearing words of truth from a true tzaddik and reading those words once they have been recorded for memory in a book or that they have been conveyed from person to person. Now, if the idea being conveyed, if the Torah being conveyed is not essential, If the Torah being conveyed is simply something that has been agreed upon by human beings in this world, and a conventional idea that, yeah, makes sense, yeah, brings relief, but ultimately is devoid of any essential essence to it, so then there's really no difference whether you hear it from the person who originates the idea, or whether you hear it from someone who heard from someone else who heard from someone else, And there would certainly be no difference between someone who hears the idea versus someone who reads the idea. Because if the idea is simply something that has been agreed upon, so then any way that I come to find this idea in my life should be the same. But what Rabbi Nachman is telling us is that there is a fundamental ontological difference between hearing Torah from the mouth of a tzaddik and reading Torah in a sefer or hearing Torah from somebody else. So already what Rabbi Nachman is introducing to us is that there is a fundamental difference between things being expressed in their essential nature, the way that they were meant to be conveyed, when those words mean something even if nobody else agrees upon them, where those words that are written or spoken by a tzaddik have the power to awaken the soul simply by virtue of the light of the Kedusha that is inherent in the letters and not simply because of the idea. When we believe that Torah is essential, when we believe that things are meaningful because of where they came from, because they come from a place of truth, then we're forced to acknowledge that there is a vast, infinite difference separating someone who hears words of Torah from the true tzaddik and someone who reads those words in a book. By dint of the fact that they're essential, that means that a person needs to receive them in the true way. And receiving them in any other way is a deviation or a fall away from their essential nature. So Rebbe Nachman already sets up for us the very basic fact that because the words of Torah are essential and real, and they mean something whether or not we agree with them, they mean something in the world. They are vehicles for the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not simply vehicles of ideas of human beings. Because they are essential, therefore there is going to be a big difference between if you hear them from a true tzaddik or if you read them in a book. So here what Rabbi Nachman is starting this Torah off with is affirming the fact that there is something essential in the world. There is a meaning in the world. There is truth in the world. We don't live in a world of floating signifiers. We don't live in a world where all meaning is gone. We live in a world with an akuda ha'panimis, where there are certain elements, there are certain ideas that carry the punch of containing the essence, of truly representing what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us. And because of that, there's going to be a very big difference between hearing those words from their originating source or reading those words in a book. And then Rabbi Nachman continues, and he expresses this in a secondary but also very important way. He says that a person needs to be mezachir chapanim. A person needs to clarify their face. Now the face of the individual, the panim, which comes from the same language as pinimut as interiority, as that which is inside. The panim of a person represents their essence. It represents the fact that everything that I do as an individual is not simply because it's an agreed-upon moral or ethic demand, but what I do emanates from the core of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from me. That my midos tovos, that my positive character traits and my positive characteristics, each and every one of us, are not simply... Decisions that we've made because it makes sense But they emanate and they descend from the original essentiality the essence of existence Which is a and therefore they carry a true weight with them They're not simply good because they're agreed upon they're good because they're essentially good Rabbi Nachman says that we need to clarify our faces to the point that when somebody looks at our face they can already begin to look at themselves and desire to return to Hashem. Without any tochacha, without any speaking ill of an individual's behavior, without any denial of a person's worthiness, Rabbi Nachman says that we need our faces to become so clear, so translucent, so true, without any deviation, without any inessentiality, that they can return the person who looks at us in our face to tshuva, to desire to return to their essential nature. Now, I believe in Ravavram ben Rav Nachman, Baruch Hashem says the same exact thing. So at least I know that the way I'm learning this Torah is not off base. When we talk about needing to clarify our faces, we're talking about learning how to live our essential self that the same way that hearing words of Torah from a tzaddik is very different from reading words of Torah that were recorded in a book, generation after generation after generation, is the same difference between someone who clarifies their face to the point that somebody simply can look at them and know what they need to do for themselves versus someone who needs to go around and announce to people that they need to return in tshuva. If I can live my essential self, if I can be who I truly am, If I can be my essential self, then anybody who looks at me will have an awakening, a murmuring of their own essential self. So Rabbi Nachman is teaching us in both rayos, in the fact that there's a difference between hearing Torah from the tzaddik versus reading Torah in a book, and that a person needs to clarify their face to the point that anyone who looks at their face can have a hear her tshuva to return back to their essential nature are both raya's that there's something essential in the world. That even though the world appears to be chaotic and a mess and meaningless in all manners of meaninglessness and dark in all manners of darkness and inessential in all manners of inessentiality, where Ibn Nachman is forcing us to believe in, telling us that we can still believe in the fact that there is essence in the world, there is a meaning in the world, there is a deep, Nakuda hapnimis in the world that remains true even when the waters of falsehood drown it. That the Nakuda of MS remains, that Nakuda of MS, the Amiso, the truth of the truth, that essential anchor that makes all things meaningful. And now, Rabbi Nachman, after introducing to us the idea that, yeah, a Jew can still believe in 2020 that there's an essential meaning to the world that there's an essence in the world, that there's a power to the world. So now Rabbi Nachman adds a third expression of that essential nature in the world. And he begins with teaching us about Lashon Hakodesh, the Hebrew language. For Rabbi Nachman, and for our, most of our tzaddikim, Rabbi Nachman, my humble opinion, is clearly drawing upon the Kabbalah of Mahari Sarug, Rabbi Saul Sarug, who was a student of the Arizal, Different than Rav Chaim Vital, but not different. He just spoke in a different language than Rav Chaim Vital. And he spoke about the Olam Amalbush, a world of letters. The Rebbe Ahman says that the world was created by Lashana Kodesh, like the Balatanya teaches us in Shari'icha Vamuna, And that Lashana Kodesh is, is an essential language. That the language of Lashana Kodesh, the holy language, is holy because it signifies the essence of the thing. I'd like to say for Zero point out to us that when I look at a shulchan, when I look at a table, I can think that the word shulchan, the Hebrew word for table, represents the fact that there is this existence of a table and this word simply represents it. Or I can look at the word table, shulchan, shin, vav, lamed, ches, nun, and understand that in a deep, almost quantum way, the entity of the table exists by way of the spiritual essence of those letters, Shin, Vav, Lamid, Ches, Nun. That Lashon HaKodesh, the language that HaKadosh Baruch used to create the world, the essential language, the Ubersprach, the original language, is essential. It doesn't simply signify what something is, it constitutes what something is. That language is not simply a way to convey something that is inessential, but language is a sign that represents the essence of something. And Rabin Nachman speaks so powerfully about the power of Lashon HaKodesh, again, reminding us that there is an essence in the world, that just as we can clarify our faces, to the point that they shine our essence, which can awaken another person's essence. And just as a Torah that is given over from the mouth of a tzaddik can be essential in a very different way than reading that Torah that was written three times translated, that Lashon Kodesh represents, once again, our deep belief that there is an essence in the world that we can still believe deeply in the fact that things are as they should be, even though they look as if things are opposite the way they should be. That believing in an essence, believing in a mahus, believing in the fact that things still operate according to the way they are meant to operate, is what continues to give an individual hope, is what continues to give an individual amuna that no, we are not just choosing to believe in certain things because they bring us comfort or because they secure the wounds of existence, but we believe in things that are essential because they carry within themselves their own message. Like we spoke about last week, that mineyubay, that the word itself contains its own meaning within it. And then Rabbi Nachman makes a remarkable revolutionary move which I believe is the essence of this Torah. And I think that when a person looks at the very short comments of Ravavram ben Rav Nachman on Torah Yud and Bir HaLikutim, they'll see that this is also what Ravavram ben Rav Nachman brought down to the world. And I was Hashem to to read it this way, at least. Rabbi Nachman says that Lashon HaKodesh, the essential language, the language that represents the essence of things, that language which reminds us of the panim, of the fact that our face can represent the essence of who we are, and that there's a difference between saying something in a true way versus conveying something by way of a secondary vehicle, that this language is at battle. Lashon HaKodesh is at a war with Lashon ha'amim with inessential language, with the language of the nations of the world. Now, Rabbi Nachman is very clear where he says that the languages of the nations of the world are not negative in and of themselves. This is not some statement about the value of the nations of the world. Rabbi Nachman makes very clear that the language of the Amin is only negative because it's rooted in the nekudos of negativity that Hashem Himself has placed in the world. So the fact that we're aligning this binary opposition between Lashen HaKodesh and Lashen Amimin is not coming to say anything about the Amim. It's simply coming to say that those languages attach themselves to certain nekudos of darkness that Hashem has placed in the world. And therefore, they represent the opposite of Lashen HaKodesh. Lashana HaKodesh represents something essential. And Loshana Amim, the languages of the world that emerge after Migdal Bavel, that emerge after that original Bilbo, that confusion, those languages are no longer essential. Those languages no longer represent the thing itself. The word table doesn't tell me anything about the entity of a table. It's simply an agreed upon word that represents colloquially the idea that there's a table here. That once language undergoes a fall, once language fails and it loses its essential nature to convey the essence of the idea, like Adam arishon was tasked to do in ganeden that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Adam Arishon to name things, he wasn't simply naming what he thought they should be, he was grasping their essence and he was applying certain words that contain their essence. After the fall from that primary language into secondary language, into Lashon HaAmin, language becomes inessential. What we say no longer conveys exactly what it is that we mean. There is a pa'er, there is a breakage, there is a void that opens up between the words that I use and the intentions of my heart. There is a separation between what I mean and what I say. Words no longer represent the essence of things. Words are... Simanim ba'alma—they are tziyunim, they are signs, they are signifiers that represent the signified. But there's no equation, there's no unity between the word or the thing. There is the word, and then there is the thing that that word represents. This lashon ha'amim, this language of the nations, this falling away from the essential language of lashon hakodesh, is the birthplace of misunderstanding. Is the birthplace of confusion is the birthplace of hisnagdus and machlokas. It's the birthplace of anxiety. Because the thing that I'm trying to convey is no longer being understood. The world has now been interrupted. There is a fissure, there is a break between what I am and what I represent. How things should be and how things are. And Rabbi Nachman says that there is a battle waging between Lashon HaKodesh, between the essence of things, and between Lashon HaAmmimim, and between the inessential nature of things. On a more practical level, there is a battle waging within each and every one of us between the belief that things are essential, the belief that things are meaningful, the belief that meaning continues to exist and will continue to exist, Ad via and even afterwards, And the belief that meaning is lost and meaning is broken and everything is meaningless and that all meaning has shattered in some postmodern trauma that leaves us stuck in simply trying to live according to our own personal resolutions, but nothing is truly meaningful. Rabbi Nachman says that chas v'shalom, Lashon HaKodesh, is coming to remind us that essence and meaning exist no matter what. But, says Rabbi Nachman, Lashon HaAmmimin, the sense of inessentiality, the sense that the world is random or by mistake or meaningless wants to overcome the promise of meaning. It wants to overcome, it wants to swallow that promise of essence. It wants to get rid of everything. This realm of Lashon Ha'amemim, these 70 languages of the nation which are Achuz in the negativity that Hashem has placed in the world, Rabbi Nachman compares them to the Nachash, Rabbi Nachman compares them to all forces of negativity which simply come to show in the world that things are meaningless. Rabbi Nachman compares Lashon HaKodesh to the concept of Shmiras HaBris, guarding the covenant. And he compares the concept of Lashon HaAmamim to the Taiva Niuf, to the breaking away from an essential relationship. For something to be essential, it means that what I am connecting to at this point is all that exists. I don't need to connect to anything else. What I am thinking about, what I am engaged in, is all that I need to touch because it is essential, because the essence is contained within it. That is Lashan HaKodesh. That is the direct connection between me and an object outside of me. And the deep belief that what I am engaged in contains all the meaning and all the essence that I need. The opposite, Lashon Amamin, Inessentiality, Pigam Habris, that torch of 70 kochos that the Zohar refers to that Rabbi Nachman brings down, that world of Pyrr, that world of separation, it's the opposite of the essence. It tells me that no matter what I'm connecting to, I need to connect to something else. No matter what I'm doing, I need to be doing something else. No matter, no matter where I am, I need to be elsewhere. It's the poison of the confusion and the bilbil that says there is nothing essential and therefore you need to swallow and engage in everything possible in front of you in the hopes of finding some comfort. While Lashana Kodesh says that you don't need to go searching, all you need to find is the Nekuda Hapanimis and connect to it. So we see for Rabbi Nachman that Lashana Kodesh represents this promise of essence, this promise of meaning, this belief that things remain essential in their nature. The same way that the panim of an individual can represent the essence of a person, to the point that it can awaken a person unconsciously without any words, without any need for the descent into communication, which is rooted in Rabbi Nachman's belief and statement that hearing words of Torah from their original source is very different than reading those words of Torah, because there's something essential in the way that things come into the world. And if you're missing out on the context of the essence, you're missing out on part of the essence as well. Rabbi Nachman here introduces us to a new concept. Rabbi Nachman asks, how could it be that Lashon HaKodesh and Lashon Amimin can have a relationship with each other? They're two separate entities. How could it be that the inessential of Lashon HaAmenim or the Nachash can try and lay claim to the essence of Lashan Hakodesh. They're two completely separate entities. There's a world of division separating those two worldviews. How could it be that there's an interrelationship? Why does there need to be a battle? And here Rabbi Nachman introduces us to a concept that is already preceded by generations of Kabbalah. But Rabbi Nachman in this Torah, in my humble opinion, makes it something that it was never stated before and never stated afterwards, except through Rabbi Nosson. Rebbe Nachman says as follows. Rebbe Nachman says, you want to know how Lashon HaAmimim has a shlita on Lashon HaKodesh? You want to know how the inessential can pretend to grab hold of the essence to the point that it can negate the belief in the essence of things? That's only through an intermediary level. A level that has a relationship between both Lashon HaKodesh as well as Lashon HaAmimim, And that is Lashon of Targum, that is the language of translation. The belief or the reality of translation is the attempt to convey the essence of an idea into the realm of the inessential. To take something from Lashon HaKodesh and allow it to become intelligible to Lashon HaAmim. This intermediary stage, this bridge, this Gesher Tsar Ma'od, this very narrow space that attempts to bridge between holiness and non-holiness, between the essential and the inessential, is the space of Targum, is the belief that I can translate what was essential, and even though through translation it loses its essence, nevertheless, a kernel of the essence will remain true through the act of translation and be conveyed like the vehicle of translation allows it to be conveyed to the inessential space. In other words, there's the language that is spoken, and there are people who don't understand that language. The language that is spoken represents the essence, and the people who do not understand the language represent the inessential. The question is, is it possible to bridge the gap between the essence and the inessential? between the language and between those who don't understand the language. And the answer to this is the possibility of Targum, the possibility of translation. That translation represents that narrow liminal bridge that says, I am going to try and convey the essence to the inessential without losing the essence. Even though the essence is going to undergo a significant change, it won't look anything like it looked previously. Nevertheless, the gift of translation is this nikudah that HaKadosh Baruch has placed in the world, which allows for one language to be conveyed into another language. Rabbi Nachman says that the Targum is how Lashon HaAmim, the inessential, and Lashon HaKodesh, and the essential, interact with one another. This intermediary stage, this Klipas Noga, This liminal space, which is not holy and not unholy, but it is the main place of our avoda to take the non-holy and show that it is also holy. It's the eitz hadas tovara. It contains good and bad within it. It's not clear which way it's going to go. And Rabbi Nachman continues and he says, It's not enough for us to push away Lashon Haamamin. It's not enough for us to deny the validity of the inessential. What we need to do is we need to be mashlim Lashon HaKodesh. We need to make Lashon HaKodesh whole. How do you make the essence whole? How do you show the great strength of the essence? By being mala the tov shebetargum. By showing and elevating the good of translation back into holiness. By engaging in that intermediary language, by engaging in that space, which is neither holy nor non-holy, and forcing it back into the light of holiness, what we do is we double the capacity of holiness. What we do is we show that holiness contains within itself even that which appears at first glance to be non-holy. Or in the language that we've been talking about throughout this year, Targum, is the intermediary stage between the belief that things can be essential in the world and the belief that things have lost all meaning. When I can translate something, when I can possibly convey the essence to the inessential, I am now showing that even the inessential has access to the essence. That even Lashon Ha'amemin can become like Lashon HaKodesh that even those things which appear to be inessential and meaningless, that even those things which appear to be fallen and scattered and have lost all meaning can in truth convey a deep and essential meaning within themselves. That even my mistakes, even my shagyonos, even those times where I'm unconscious, they also represent the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because like we said, to believe in the essence, to believe in Lashon HaKodesh, to believe in the panim, to believe that even shagyonos are meaningful, that means that even those things which appear inessential become essential. That no matter where I go, there I am. No matter what I'm doing, I can find the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu there, even if it looks like it's a shogi. And when I can reveal the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the act of translation, I double the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because now I show that Lashon HaKodesh is not simply limited to Lashon HaKodesh. The essential is not simply limited to the essential. But the essential can also be found in the inessential. The essential can also be found in Targum, in the act of translation. And Rabbi Nachman says that this is the idea of Shnayim Mikra V'Echad Targum. The fact that it is incumbent upon all of us to read the Parsha each week twice in addition to its Targum. And following the remarkable teachings of the Maharal in Tiferes Yisrael, the Maharal says that Targum is higher than Lashan HaKodesh. Why? Because when I can read the Torah in Targum, I'm showing that even the essence, the essence rather, can be found in the inessential as well. That even Targum, even the inessential, can become a vehicle of the essence. Because essence pervades all things, even the inessential. The interruption becomes part of the conversation. That which appears to be dark begins to reveal that it is also part of the light. Those things in our lives which appear to be meaningless become meaningful when we see the overarching meaning that comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. And Shnayim Mikra V'yachad Targum this descent into Aramaic this descent into translation is for the sake of an ascent it's for the sake of being magdil enlargening Showing the greater capacity of Lashon Hakodesh to express itself even in Lashon HaAmim, for the essence to be conveyed even into the inessential, which is why Rabbi Nassim points out that Shemos, the book of Shemos, the book of the exile of the Jewish people, the descent away from the way things are supposed to be into the way things actually look and are, is Rosh Hashanah Shnaiy Mikra of the Echad Targum, because the entire purpose of the descent into Egypt the descent into exile is to show that ultimately even darkness is light to double the experience and the belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Revin Nachman connects this very deeply to the story of Alisha, because the Zohar Akadosh specifically in Parsha's Beshalach in this week's Parsha speaks about how Chabaku Kanavi the person who teaches us to believe that even our shegionos contain an essence even our mistakes are essential. Even our accidents represent the essential nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. That Chabakuk is the child of Elisha. He's the, um, rather, he's the child that Elisha Hanavi brought back to life from the Isha Hashunamis. And Elisha was able to do that like Rabbi Nachman is going to teach us because Elio Hanavi taught him how the student can reveal a greater light than the Rebbe, the Pishnayim that very often we need to descend into the realm of the inessential, the descent away from the face of the Rebbe into the world of the Talmud, in order to reveal that the Talmud can reveal an even greater light than the Rebbe. This is why Rabbi Nassim says the Sefer HaZohar and Talmud Ba'avadi are written in Aramaic, because Aramaic shows how darkness gives birth to a deeper level of light, what the entire Sefer HaZohar is rooted upon. And how specifically in the depths of darkness, in the depths of darkness, I can elevate myself into a deeper light to show that the essence can reveal itself in the inessential as well. That it's specifically when we descend into the Tardema, into unconsciousness, into the darkness of the night, the nocturnal place where all things are dark, it's specifically there that we're able to be poter halomos, that we can interpret dreams like Yosef Atzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, who knew what Shmira Sabris was, Yosef HaTzadik, who understood the power of the essence. The archetype of Tzadik Yisod Olam, of connecting to the essential nature of things, it's specifically Yosef HaTzadik, who understood all of those languages, Svas Yadasa Yishma, that the language that he didn't know he was able to interpret, to show that even those inessential languages, even in Mitzrayim, we have the capacity of revealing light. And Rabbi Nachman says, based on the Arizal, that Targum, translation, and Tardema, and unconsciousness, and slumber have the same exact numerical value, the same gematria. Because when a person goes into that darkness of slumber, when a person descends into unconsciousness, into the nocturnal state where things go bump in the night, and I don't know where right or left is, or what up or down is, it's specifically there that we have the ability to be Poter to drag out of the bilbul of our minds, to drag out of the unconscious confusion of our minds, kernels of essence, to interpret truth from within untruth, to show light from within darkness, to show the essence from within the inessential, to show Lashon HaKodesh not only through Targum, but in and of Targum itself. Rabbi Rabbi Nassen adds at the end of this Torah, Hashmatos HaShaychem LaTorah Hazos. And I want to read just part of this paragraph here to show how all of the Torahs that we're going to be learning are connected. It says as follows. When Lashana HaKodesh comes from above, when the essence descends from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when there's a promise of essence and truth in the world, it's still lacking because it still needs to elevate the good out of translation. And this is the secret of Mila. This is the secret of why Hashem created the world imperfect, so that we can show that it's specifically from within imperfection that we give birth to perfection. The Ikr Tikuno, Lemata, and the specific place of rectifying Lashon Kodesh, of showing the truth of Lashon Kodesh, is here below, B'zeha Olam. Like we saw last week, Ze and Co, it's specifically in this world. Al Hatovsha specifically when we are capable of elevating the good within translation and fulfilling and giving birth to the true totality of essence, Alashana Kodesh. Because the essential tikkun shall Hadvarim nishlam lamata beze ha'olam daika. That the fullness of things only emerged specifically, Daika, like we've spoken about in this world, which appears to be the opposite of fullness. And this is the concept of the fullness of Lashana Kodesh, the full expression of the essence, specifically by way of the inessential. That even though Lashana Kodesh descends from above, Afal Nevertheless, it only becomes full again, Afal Pikain, that loshon that we spoke about, it only becomes total again through translation. When we're able to see the good and the essence that exists even within Targum. Al Yade Zed Daikem, Mashlam it's specifically through that that we elevate Lashan Kodesh. And I implore you to look at the end of the Torah there where he says the word Daika and Afal came like 12 times. What I want to end with is in Oz in It's been a long shear, so we'll end now, and the shear hasn't even begun. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai Kolkach Rabbi Nachman says in a secondary conversation, but again, the belief that secondary statement, secondary conversation, the inessential language also contains the essence is exactly what we've been speaking about. Rabbi Shemim Bar Yochai, Kiddush kol kachas lashon targum Rabbi Shemim Bar Yochai, the source of the Zohar Kadosh, written in Aramaic, he rectified and sanctified the language of targum to such an extent, that she'afilu b'lashon targum, koyach the tzaddik that Rabbi Nachman models himself after, as seen in the introduction to L'Kutim Aran, L'Chu Chazu Mifalos Hashem Asher Sham Shamos Ba'aretz. But it's specifically this koyach of the tzaddikim which teaches us that even when things appear to be inessential, it's specifically there that we find the power of the essence. Because when iqor is so strong, even the tafel becomes iqor. Next week we're going to be learning a new Torah which is still connected to this Torah, which is going to be Torah Haftalim. About the power of having something, grasping something, specifically when we're not grasping something, specifically when it's impossible for us to grasp. The music is by Zusha. For more from the Sheffa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.